Hey, thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you, encourages you, and brings you closer to Jesus. Well, good morning. And what a great time of worship. If you know that truth to be true, if you know it to be real in your life, that you need nothing else but Jesus, I want you to give Jesus a big round of applause right now. Good to see you guys this morning. Um, I had a moment, and I didn't know, and we're we're in a series called Unmasked, and I'm gonna get to the message in a half a second or two, but um, I just had a moment yesterday, and I didn't know until I got here this morning that we were... Um, tagging that song, which is an amazing song. Nothing, I, what a great, like, just inspiration as, as we're singing that and declaration of our faith and who God is. Um, but I was sitting there um, yesterday, and I don't know about anybody else, I'm about, I'm about over all the political stuff. Anybody else? So they crossed the line yesterday when a Lindsey Graham ad interrupted one of the key plays in the Georgia football game last night. <laughs> and so I complained to my senator and I actually wrote to the, because I get messages every day from the president now, anybody else? And Joe Biden, so I just re-sent one of those texts back and just said, stop messing with my football. Um, but no, but um, I, I've been, and I don't wanna use the word depressed or anxiety because I know that my truth and my life doesn't uh, rest in any of really that stuff, but it gets kind of depressing after a while, listening just to grown adults act like five-year-olds and then we can't get along with each other. But I was riding up the road yesterday, and I, I have purposely and intentionally, I don't know if you guys have done this, I just don't look at any of the signs on the road anymore because I'm so tired, you know, this one's this, this one's that. So i kind of oblivious to a sign, but I thought I saw something, and I wasn't sure I saw it, so I rode up the road a little bit ways, and I was like, man, I thought I really saw that sign. So I turned back around, and I stood there for, I should have taken a picture of it if I really, but it was in, it was, it was in the moment that I was just like, oh my God, that's the best sign I've seen. And all it just said, it said Jesus 2020. And it really went along with the song, nothing less. Um, A pastor friend of mine uh, tweeted something the other day, we're not voting for a savior, we're voting for a president, we already have a savior and he's the best one. And so I wanna just give us some hope today as a pastor of our church in this faith community that it may look like everything's spiraling this way, Jesus is still in control, he's got this. This did not escape escape his knowledge, he knew exactly where we're gonna be at today, he knew exactly where this country was gonna be, but I do think we could stand on the words of 2 Chronicles where it says, if my people are called by my name, humble themselves and pray. And I think this would be a really good time for our church and our community to be praying that God would lead this country. I believe revival's coming back, okay? I think COVID was a setup, not a setback. I think God's about to pour out a spirit on this community like we've never seen before. I believe these seats are gonna be filled like we've never seen these seats before. I believe churches that have been half empty are gonna be over overflowing because of what God's gonna do. Anybody else resonate with that? Okay, so good. So we're gonna continue to do that and pray. You'll probably see some more stuff because I think praying is a good thing. Um, uh, so we're in this series. If you haven't been with us, and I noticed there's several uh, folks that haven't been here in a while, and this is your first Sunday back. Welcome back. It's good to have you. Uh, it's good to have Sherwood with us today. Give Sherwood a big round of applause. They are absolutely killing it down there. Uh, doing a great job um, and reaching 
lost people for Jesus and baptisms are happening and all kinds of cool stuff, so it's great. But we're in this series, Unmasked, and so what I thought we would do today is if we could just all kind of, not like just kind of symbolically, just take off our masks for a second for the next 30 minutes or so and just kind of have honest conversations with ourselves and allow the Holy Spirit to enter that conversation so he can speak to us, okay? These are not my words, these are God's words, okay? I'm just using uh, the, 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 the tool that he gave us, the Bible, to kind of demonstrate this stuff. But the whole series is about this thing called integrity, which we seem to have an integrity void in the world we live in. So it's, it's, it's appropriate. I think it's a great place that we talk about. So, but I'm going to ask you a lot of questions today. You may want to write down your answers. You may want to put them in your phone, maybe something you want to go back to, or it may be a good idea that you can send this out uh, when it comes online next, uh, I think tomorrow, probably I was going to say Tuesday, but tomorrow. And you can send it to a friend because I have heard nothing but lot, like we needed to hear this message today. Okay. So I'm setting the bar real high. So if it stinks, it's your fault, not mine. I'm doing my job. Okay. No, so here's it. Have you ever done anything or something that you know you could have gotten caught or gotten in trouble? Uh, you thought you could get away with it, but, um, but um, something went wrong and you got exposed or you didn't really think that you were gonna get exposed, but you got exposed. You know what I'm talking about? Like there's a, let me give you, for instance, do you remember when, you, how many of you love kids? You've probably had this happen already and if you haven't, you've done it, Okay. Mom, I did not eat the last cookie with chocolate chip stuff all over the mouth, right? There was an action and there was consequences, right? Or, or this is a big one, like a blueberry blow pop. How many people love like, like or Jolly Ranchers? I'm a Jolly Rancher holic, right? You can tell if you had a Jolly Rancher. So the kid comes up, I didn't have the last Jolly Rancher. Your tongue's blue. Come on, like your tongue is blue, okay? So how about this? Um... You ever sneak in and out of the house or sneak when you're a teenager? Yeah. Did you weigh out the consequences before you did that? Just thought it was good at the time. I remember the consequences. It was called grounding and give me your keys. How about this one? You ever borrow anything from your neighbor or a friend and took it back broken or never gave it back? Action. There's consequences. We don't think about the consequences, do we? You ever buy anything and return it and tell them it didn't work right or it didn't fit or it didn't look good on you after you had worn it for a while or you had used it for a while? See, it got quiet in first service too. Everybody's like, man, he is all over me today. That's integrity. That's what we're talking about, right? The, the very, by very def definition, integrity is, is wholeness. It's actually a nautical term. That's where it comes from. It's integrity of a boat. If it has a ship, a, a, a hole in it, the water comes in. And that's what happens in a lot of our lives. We have holes in our lives and there's no wholeness. And so we have a lack of integrity. You ever tell somebody that you were in one place and you were actually in another place? I can't do that anymore because my wife put Life 360 on my phone. And she reminds me, Hey, hey, and she reminds me, yesterday I was down in uh, Glasscock County doing a little deer hunting yesterday, and I get a text message, your life 360. Now, I know she's doing it in case I die of a heart attack in the tree stand. She knows what one to come to, right? She knows where to go. But there's a deep, like deep down, it's like, you're checking on me. But have you ever done that? You ever done that? You say you're at one place, but you're actually another? Action, consequences? See, every one of those, it's an action. It's an action we do. It's something we, we do. But we very rarely think about the consequences of that thing when we've done it. 
And actually, the Bible is filled with all kinds of stories about this concept of action and consequences. But we're going to look at one today in 2 Kings. And it's a great story, 2 Kings chapter 5, if you want to turn your Bible open to there. And we're going to read, uh, starting about verse 15, I think. And I would tell you, really encourage you to go back and read the first 14 verses. They are absolutely amazing. It's a brilliant story. I'm going to give you the short version of it because of today's message. It's not really about those first 14 verses. But there's a guy by the name of Naam. He's really important in the army, the Syrian army, and uh, he has one problem. He has an ailment. It's called leprosy. We don't know about leprosy a lot today. We don't hear about it, but it's, it's a disease that literally skin would fall off and you can just get it from contact with people. So here he's a high officer in the Syrian army. He's like second or third in charge, but he can have no contact with anybody, his soldiers. Uh, he can't have contact with his family. And so he's, he's doing this. So one of his servants somebody that he actually abducted. They actually stole them from the Israelites and held them captive. A young girl, she is actually nameless in the Bible. She doesn't even have a name in the Bible. But she walks up to uh, Naaman and says, listen, I know a guy that can heal that leprosy. His name is Elisha. And all you have to do is go to Elisha and he will absolutely, he'll pray over you, he'll do something, and you'll be healed from that thing. Well, at first he was like, well, you know, I'm not gonna go to the Israelite, uh, a prophet at that, and, and, and try to figure this all out. But he finally gets permission from the Syrian king and the king of Israel to go take uh, a, 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 a trip to go see this Elisha with the hope and intention that he would get healed. He gathers all his stuff. He's basically bringing pavement of silver and he brings uh, food and brings animals and he's gonna give these all to Elijah if in fact he heals him. So he meets Elijah. They're face to face one day. And Elisha says, this is what I want you to do. I want you to go bathe in the river Jordan and I want you to get in seven times. And he is furious. Naaman is furious. He goes, I could have bathed in the rivers and our, 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 our rivers are way better. They're cleaner. They're all that kind of, I could have done that all back over there. Why did you make me? And he said, just do it. So the seventh time he comes out of the water and the Bible says immediately that, that Naaman was healed of this thing called leprosy. Now this is where the story picks up because he's got a servant. Elisha has a servant that all of a sudden sees an opportunity to do something. There's an action he's gonna take but he doesn't realize there's a consequence to his action. So let's pick this up in verse 15. I'll kind of fill in some blanks as we're reading. It says, then he returned to the man of God. So, so uh, he came back to Elisha, he and all his company, and he came and stood before him. And he said, behold, I know that there is no God. So just because of this one healing, this leprosy healing, he's all of a sudden making this declaration that there's only one God. All the false gods that we've been going after, I don't believe in any of those. I believe in the one real God now. Behold, uh, know that there is no God in all of earth, but in Israel. So accept now a present from your servant, but he said, as the Lord lives before whom I stand, I've received none. So he goes, I can't take this. It, it was an act of God. It wasn't me doing it. It was just God's Holy Spirit working through me. So listen, you can't give me any pavement, uh, payment. So all of a sudden, it kind of changes. And I think this is where the man named Gyazi, Gyazi goes, whoa, 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 whoa. That rich guy just was going to give Elisha some money. Maybe I can capitalize on this thing. So Elisha's servant, Gyazi, is a part of this plan. He's a part of this uh, story. So Gyazi followed Naaman. And when Naaman saw someone running after him, he got down from the chariot to meet him. And he said, is all well? And he said, all is well. My master, Elisha, right, who had just said to him, I don't need any money. I can't take it. He said, my master has sent me to say, there has just now come to me from the hill country of Ephraim, two young men, the sons of the prophets, Please give them a talent of silver and two changes of clothes. And Naaman said, be pleased to accept two talents. He urged, he urged him and tied up two talents of silver and two bags with two changes of clothes and laid them on two of his servants and they carried them before Giazi. Now verse 25. 
He said, and he went in and he stood before the master Elisha. So if you have kids, you know this moment right here. You know this moment when you know that they did something they shouldn't have done, right? It's that moment where, okay, what you do, right? You ever have that moment with your kids? They, there's guilt on the face. There's, there's, you, know, you know in your knower that something's going on right here. And it's like, we used to say this, like, your mom knows everything. So don't ever try to, your mom knows everything. It was just, sometimes it was just common sense. Sometimes it was just being older, but this is the moment. He went and stood before his master and Elisha said to him, where have you been, Gyazi? Now, this is the moment of truth. This is the moment where action and consequences are gonna intersect. This is the moment right here where he has an opportunity to say, you know, okay, here's what I did. I did something wrong. I'm gonna fess up. I'm gonna turn it. I'm gonna, I'm gonna give it all back. But he says, your servant went nowhere. Been here the whole time. I didn't go to that cookie jar. I didn't do that thing. I wasn't where I wasn't supposed to be. I was exactly where I was supposed to be. I didn't go, I didn't go nowhere. He said, but he said to him, did not my heart go when the man turned from his chariot to meet you? Was it a time? Do you remember? He was a prophet. We forget about that. He, he saw things that nobody else saw. God spoke to him in a way that nobody else got spoken to. So when he says, like, I know you went, he knew he went. But he said to him, did not my heart go with the man turn from the chariot to meet you? Was it time to accept money and garments and olive orchards and vineyards and sheep and oxen, male servants and female servants? Now watch this, verse 27. Therefore, the leprosy of Naaman shall cling to you and your descendants forever. So he went out from his presence, a leper, white like snow. Action, consequences. Action and consequences. Because of that lie and that stealing of that money, what was on another man was now placed on him. That was the consequences of his sin. And I think sometimes we don't realize that when we do something, when there's a lack of integrity, we forget sometimes that there's a consequence to that problem or that sin, if we would even call it. And be truthful, it's not just the lie that we tell and it's not just the consequences, it's what people think of you after you do them. Do you know that changes the perception that people have of you when you are caught in a lie? When you break trust. So Joe Paterno, how many people know who Joe Paterno is? Uh, Nittany Lions head football coach, I have 20 or 30 years, right? One of the greatest football winningest coaches, took him to several national championships. Do y'all remember the story? He was sitting there and he's, he's basically trying to hide for some, or hide truth for, for somebody else. There's a guy by the name of Jerry Sandusky. And Jerry Sandusky had molested some of the football players that were on the team. And Joe Paterno knew about it, but he didn't tell anybody. So he gets in front of everybody and he finally admits to the point where he knew something. It took him a lifetime to gain, gain trust. It took him 30 years to gain the trust of the people around him, the alumni, the teachers, the football team. And in five seconds, it was ruined. See, sometimes we forget the fact that there's a lie, there's a sin involved. And sometimes we forget the fact that there's a consequence for that sin. But man, we've got to be reminded every time that's why when we say to our kids, you broke trust and it's hard to get trust back. That's why where there's infidelity in a marriage, it's almost next to impossible to ever get complete trust back into that marriage unless the Holy Spirit does something. It's because trust is so hard to keep, but so easy to break. Trust is like a faucet that drips when we're getting it and when we lose it, it's like a fire hydrant. So how are you doing on that? Being truthful. Being truthful, how are you doing in that area? How are you doing in the integrity area? How are you doing in the trust area? You know, I was thinking about this. Why don't we tell the truth? 
Why don't we just, why don't we, are we afraid of what the consequences of telling the truth are gonna be? Are we afraid we won't get that promotion or we won't be in that relationship? Are we afraid we won't, we won't get that, that, that loan or we won't get the money from the hour? What are we afraid of? Or is it the fact that we're afraid that if people knew the truth, that they wouldn't like us anymore? That if we really took off our mask and showed people the real us that all of us, like the Bible says, all of sin and fallen short of God's glory, if we all showed them that, that they would see something and we, we wouldn't be welcome, we wouldn't be accepted. Or is it maybe the fact that we've been taught it? Maybe our culture has taught us that, that lying's okay and lack of integrity is okay. I didn't realize, but there's actually a school in England that's actually teaching this. They're teaching kids how to lie. It's part of their curriculum. This is exactly what they said. They're, they're leading them in this, this and trying to develop their quick thinking and communication skills by lying. They, they, they can avoid punishment for any number of common infractions of the school code if they can creatively, articulately, and quickly make up convincing excuses for their bad behavior. Could you imagine that? By the way, I didn't have to be taught that. I did it all on my own. Anybody else? I didn't have to pay some, some, some school in England to do that. I knew how to lie. I knew how to lie when I was, like I came in this world a liar. Right? I had to be taught how to do truth not lie. This is what he said. This is what the headmaster says. It's a great lesson in life to talk your way out of a tight corner in a very short period of time. He said, by giving students who have committed a minor offense 10 seconds to talk their way out of punishment, many rise admirably to the challenge and in doing so develop the charm and eloquence needed to, uh, in the next generation of British entrepreneurs and wealth creators. The one who gets further are the artful Dodgers, not the Dodgers of the baseball team, how they dodge. Man, I got my tail wore out for doing that right there. Anybody else? I remember daddy going, mm-mm, not this time, right? And they're teaching it in schools now. There is no doubt a moral decay in the country that we live in and across the world that we're teaching kids now how to lie eloquently and telling them you're gonna be the best you could possibly be if you do that. Except for God's word says this, and that's not how it works with God's economy, right? Psalms 51 says this, behold, you delight in truth in my inward being and you teach me wisdom in the secret heart. How about this one? In, in Proverbs chapter 19, better is a poor person who walks in his integrity than one who is crooked in speech and is a fool. I'd rather be poor and a person of integrity than have all the money in the world. Somebody needs to say amen to that right there. I would rather people look at me and say, he's a good man. He's a person of integrity than them see the houses or cars or boats or guns or whatever we try to accumulate. When we decide that we wanna live our lives with integrity, we need to drop the mask, right? We need to drop the mask and be truthful and that's what integrity is. So I want to give you real quick foundational truths. Here are three things about, you may want to write these down. Integrity involves every area of your life, not just the areas that you're good at. So you can be good at some areas and really bad at other areas. But integrity, it's what you are out in front of people. We talked about this in week one, and it's what you are when nobody else is looking. That's really what integrity is. So how are you in every area of your life? Don't worry about it. I'm going to give you a test in a minute, and you're going to figure it all out. How about this one? No matter where you are today in the integrity spectrum, there's room for growth. Somebody say amen. You never arrive, do you? You never get there. And the third truth, and this is really the, probably the most important, the integrity that matters most is not the integrity of somebody else, it's your integrity. 
See, it's what we want most out of everybody else, but we least worry about in our own life. And what I'm trying to do is switch the whole script and say, the most important person, the integrity of myself, what I do, how I am a dad, how I'm a pastor, how I'm a husband, that's the most important thing, not everybody else. So here's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna do do an integrity test, okay? So I'm gonna hurt some feelings in a minute. Y'all ready for this? Okay. I want you from a scale to one to 10. You can write it down. You can keep it in your mind. It's your number. You're not gonna have to stand up and tell me what your number is. We're not gonna draw you like, oh, you're really, that's a... You're a 10, oh. oh. Out of all of those, you're a 10, really? No, we're not doing that. But how's it, how, how would you give, what would you give yourself, scale of one to 10, on being truthful? That includes your taxes. <laughs> See, I just hurt some feelings. <laughs> Crap, my taxes, yes. Everything, everything. That's what a person would say, everything. How about this? How, how, how are you at keeping your word with your kids, with your spouse, with your employees? How are you doing that? How about this one? How are you doing in managing your money? See, I think that's an integrity issue if we don't manage money well. And it's more than just, it's more than just paying the bills. It's spending responsibility. It's living within our means. That's all integrity stuff. How about about this one? How are you at doing your job? If you work for somebody, are you giving them the 40 or 45 hours that you're getting paid for? Are you taking a little bit extra on that lunch hour? They deserve, you know, you deserve it. If they pay me a little bit, no. How are you doing on that? How about this one? How are you doing with sharing credit? I don't mean sharing your credit, credit. I mean, how are you giving somebody else props? When somebody else has done something really well in your house, in your workplace, around you, in your ministry that you work in, how are you? Are you like, that person really did. And like, I, I want everybody to notice this. This person is a rock star right here. One of the things that we do with our staff every Monday is we draw two names out of a, out of a can. We have a can. And everybody, they get asked two questions. And what we do is we tell them, uh, we used to do it right then live. We would say, these are three things that we appreciate uh, about whoever. Well, now we're doing it like kind of secretly. So like somebody will email or write a note or just go to somebody's office. How are you at giving credit when it's not you up on the pedestal, when somebody else deserves the credit. How about this one? How's your internet browser history? You knew I was going here. You knew it. I spoke Thursday to a bunch of high school boys uh, at Lakeside High School, and I used this index because I was talking to them about integrity. And I said, internet browser history. And the one guy said, you're not gonna look at that, are you? (laughs) No, but your mama needs to, I guess, you know. How about your conversations? How about your conversations when you're talking to somebody? How about your conversations when you're talking about somebody? That's a better one. Are you trying to tear them down to build you up? That's a lack of integrity. How about giving? This includes tithing and sharing uh, your abundance with others. The Bible actually says if you are a believer and not giving, tithing, the Bible says, that you're stealing from God. Oh my gosh, that's the one person I don't want to steal from. How are you doing in that area? How about helping others? Being willing to inconvenience yourself. How are you doing on that one? How about managing your emotions? Anger, self-pity, pride, bitterness, arrogance. How are you doing in those areas? These are all integrity things. Every one of these is an integrity thing. And, and, and when I said, and I meant it, 
It's not just that you're good in the good areas, you're good in all the areas. How are you doing in all these areas? How are you doing in the things that like the areas of nobody's? How about respect? Do you treat people well? Do you speak to people with kindness? Are you condescending? How many people have ever been around somebody that all the time, every time you're with them, they're breaking you down, they're tearing you down? How are you doing? How about correction? I mean, there's times where you have to correct people. Do you correct people with grace and mercy? These are all important things. This is what I'm saying. Very first thing, I want us all to get this. Integrity, I have a starting point for this place. This whole situation. Integrity starts with our relationship with God. How we respect God is how we respect others. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. And then it says, love your what? Neighbor as yourself. Over and over again in the Bible, it talks about this concept. Integrity starts with my relationship with God. I love the way David says it in Psalm 112.1. He says, praise the Lord, blesses the man who fears the Lord, who greatly delights in his commandments. There's two segments there. Fears the Lord and greatly delights in his, in his commandments. This is really important. I don't think we have a great concept. I don't think we understand this. The fear of the Lord is more of the, like the king with the sword ready to take somebody. That's not what he's talking about right there. And you know what, let me throw this up. The people that I know, like, like the, some of the people in this room that, the, that are the most, when I, when I say integrity, the integrity level is so high and it's in every area of life. This is a prime reason that the integrity level is so high. It's because they fear God. They have, a, they, have a, they have an honest fear. They have an honest, there's a holiness that's involved there. There's an honest, I don't want to displease the father. How many, how many times as your kid, you, you talk to your kid, okay, are you sorry you got caught? are you sorry because you displeased the family or did something wrong? The people that I know that have the most integrity, it's because they have a healthy fear of God. So that's the beginning part of it. Fearing God. <laughs> you know what else this is? This is even acknowledging there is a God and you're not it. Did y'all know that? I, I, I spend lots of time with people that somehow or another, they think that the world literally revolves around them. You ever been around a person like that? They think that like everything revolves, everything is about self, it's self this, it's self ambition, it's self motivation, it's self you know, promotion, it's all those things. You know what they call that in the world, that, that you know, the secular world, they call it narcissism. It's when you think you're the center of the world. So that's the first thing, like we gotta get out of the point where like I'm not, he is, and the other thing we have to all kind of understand is not only is he God, but we have to have a personal relationship with him. And sometimes, and let me just say, I'm not talking about you walked up the aisle. I'm not talking about you filled out a car. I'm not talking about you got dunked in a tank. I'm talking about every day you're working on your relationship with Jesus Christ. You know what that means? You have a moral compass. That's what I love about the next part. It says fear of the Lord, but it says delight in his commands. He's talking about a moral compass. He's talking about, I know the difference between right and wrong. So anybody ever do something wrong and right away you knew you did something wrong? And not because somebody like your wife told you you did something wrong? Like, and there's this feeling that you get right here. Anybody get that feeling right there when you do something wrong? We used to tell a kid, it, it's you know in your knower. Your knower is right there. You call it what you want, but it's right there. It happened with me several years ago. It was a Saturday night. We used to have Saturday night services. And I got up here and was preaching. And I got on a little tangent and I got like, you know, my filter wasn't working real good. And I said something that was really derogatory 
It was a word that also is used that we don't use in the world we live in anymore to describe a person with special needs. And I didn't use it in that term. I didn't use it in that way. I just used it as kind of like I was trying to be funny. Well, I walk off the stage and I'm sitting there and we're getting ready to sing another song. And the worship pastor is singing the song. And it's like, Holy Spirit, come and investigate my whole entire life. I don't know what the words were, but that's what it sounded like to me. So I'm like, oh, I'm gonna pray that prayer. Yeah, yeah, hold on. And I started weeping like a baby. And right there in my knower, I knew without a shadow of a doubt, I had said something offensive. And, and people laughed at it and thought it was funny, but in that room was a mother with a child of special needs, special need, a good friend of mine. I would never, listen, listen, I would never say anything derogatory about a person with special, I, I've had uh, people with special needs in my family, my cousin Claudia, special needs, we love night to shine, like, that, it's, the, it's not even, but I realized at that moment, the Bible says the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks, there was something going on right down in here that I couldn't control and I needed to get right. Now, I could have not done anything else. I could have walked away and I could have prayed and God would have, but I walked out of that seat. I think it was Ben Woodward, our worship pastor at the time. And I tapped on the back and I said, I need to talk. And I said, your pastor needs to repent. Your pastor needs to ask for your forgiveness. Do you know why that happened? Because there's a moral compass. People of integrity have a moral compass. And that moral compass is they keep his commands they fear the Lord and they know his word and they keep his commands. And the only way we get to know his word is to be in his word. So that's the first thing. Here's the second thing. You have to live out your integrity every day of your life. You cannot put your guard down one time. I was with, meeting with a friend of mine, um, it was a couple weeks ago, and he knows that we're speaking on this. He goes to another church and he was like, man, so what are you speaking about? I said, integrity. And he goes, I said, what do you think? When I say the word integrity, what, what comes to mind? And you know what he said? It was, it was amazing. He said, holiness. Whoa, that's weighty because I understand that word. That's being like God. And I don't know that I could pull that one off very, very well. And so I was sitting there, I was thinking about, well, you know, when we talk about integrity, one of the things with holiness is a person of integrity treats people well. That's holiness. That means we treat, we love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength, right? I talk about this all the time. When this relationship is right, these relationships are right. If this one's out of kilter, this one's gonna be out of kilter. Holiness, integrity, is I treat people well. Listen to what David says. He says his offspring will be mighty in the land. The generation of the upright will be blessed. Wealth and riches are in his house. Somebody say amen to that. I want that part. Wealth and riches are in his house. And his righteousness endures forever. Watch verse four. Light dawns in the darkness for the upright. He is gracious, merciful. This is people of integrity. Righteous, deals generously and lends and conducts his affairs with justice. That's what a person of integrity looks like. There's your definition. Look in the mirror. Are you those things? <laughs> okay, just for a second. I'm, I'm, gracious. I mean, what does gracious really mean? It, it, it can be just a simple thank you, right? Thank you for doing that great job. I, I love walking around the office uh, and, and when somebody's done something like really spectacular or maybe, maybe just good. It was just a good, like, thank you for doing that. Like, I couldn't, I couldn't ever, like, you, you rocked it. That's the term we use a lot. Man, you rocked it this week. Man, worship the worship team today, right? Man, I'm telling you what, they, they, they killed it, right? Let's give them a little thanks right now. They killed it. That's it. Let's just be gracious. You were just gracious to tell somebody else they did a good job. It also could mean accepting defeat with dignity or winning with humility. Okay, I'm gonna tell you, I struggle with this one. I win well. Not so good at the losing thing. 
So there was a little football game last night that we showed up for the first half, and then Alabama, roll tide, spanked our tails, okay? Well, I have one right here. These are my friends. I haven't talked to David Diggs all day because I don't want him to bring up the game last night. I am bitter, not better right now. Now, I'll get there, right, after we beat them in the SEC championship game. Hi. <laughs> just, just kidding. But you know what I'm saying? So I know lots of people that are, man, in victory, bam, 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 bam. In defeat, they're awful. It's, it's, it's like this. Have you ever been around somebody and you know them? They dish out jokes and cuts, but they can't take it. And you ever notice those people that can't take it, their cuts dig deep? It's like, it's like death by a thousand paper cuts. They just keep digging, they keep digging, and they don't know when to stop. That's the opposite of gracious. How about this? How about merciful? What does that mean? It means that you're less likely to judge others and more likely to be an agent of change in their lives. You know what that means? And, and you ever notice this? People that have been forgiven the most seem to be, sometimes seem to be the least forgiving. They have, they, they, like all these areas of their life and they were given grace and mercy and all that kind of stuff and then they're quick to judge this person over here. Merciful means we don't do that. Righteous, and I love that word. Righteous is one of those words that like, it's not like she looks righteous it's, and it's not even like, you know, like it's almost self-right. It's none of that thing. Righteous just means you're in right standings. You're becoming more like God or you're doing what's right. A person of integrity does what is right. If they make a promise, they keep it. If they owe a bill, they pay it. If they make a mistake, they own it and correct it. That's what people are in How about generous? And this specifically, in this context of this passive scripture, is talking about a person of integrity that is generous, that, that gives ex- like, you know, like extravagant generosity. And we're gonna talk about this in the next series um, in November. We're gonna talk one of the weeks, we're gonna talk about extravagant generosity, but generous. And then he conducts his affairs with justice. Uh, and here's, go back to the knower. It's you know when something's right and you know when something's wrong. That's what people in integrity know. Here's the, here's the next thing. Being a person of integrity, and I want everybody to get this, pays great dividends. When we're a person of integrity, there's, I love this word, uh, Psalms 112.1. Praise the Lord, and it says this, blessed is the man who fears the Lord who greatly delights in his commandments. Okay, that word blessed, like it, it seems like this big honking church word. It's really got a simple meaning and I'm gonna take a look at it in a second. But I wanna finish reading for verse six. Watch what it says. For the righteous... This is all the benefits of being a person of integrity. For the righteous will never be moved. He will be remembered forever. That means he's leaving a legacy, by the way. He is not afraid of bad news and his, uh, his heart is firm. Trusting in the Lord, his heart is steady. He will not be afraid until, uh, until he looks in triumph in his en- uh, advers- uh, adversaries. He has distributed freely. He has given to the poor. His righteousness endures forever. His horn is exalted in honor. It says the wicked man sees it and is angry. He gnashes his teeth and he melts away. The desire of the wicked will perish. Man, there's a lot there. Let me just break it down. He says, you're blessed. You're blessed. And I'm not talking about money. I had a friend of mine a couple weeks ago. We were eating lunch and he's very, very well off. And he was like, I'm not satisfied just making a six, uh, six digit income. I'm like, I would be. <laughs> Anybody else? 
I'll throw that one. It can be the low end of six digits that I'm good too. You know, you know what I mean? And I think we have a misunderstanding of what blessed means. He's a, he's a strong believer. We think it's about money. We think it's about accumulating bigger houses, bigger barns, all that kind of stuff. And blessed is nothing like that. Uh, let me explain it as best as I can. And this is so elementary, but it's, it's just the way I understand it. Blessed is the moment when something happens and you know without a shadow of a doubt God, God did it. Like that job offer that you did not expect or that baby that they told you you couldn't have and you're, there's, or, you're, or you know, you know, that relationship you're in with the smoking hot woman that you didn't deserve. Like, you know what I'm talking about, right? And this is what the moment, when the moment that happens, you go, yes, that's blessed. That's blessed. Yes. Man, there is no other way that could happen unless, uh, but God, yes, that's blessed. How many people are blessed in this room? Man, me too. I walk around all the time. Yes. I do it for my friends. I am way blessed in my friendships. I am way blessed in our church staff. I'm way blessed in this church. I'm way blessed with a, I mean, I'm talking about, I outpunted my coverage with my wife. She is amazing. I'm blessed with my kids. Every time I look at my kids, I'm like, yes. I'm blessed. It has nothing to do with how many bills I have in my pocket or how big my checking account is. Blessed means I manage with integrity my money. It means I live within my means. It means I've created stable and secure things in our lives that one day we can maybe retire. And it's also the motives for me giving. Blessed. Not only that, he says, you'll be a positive influence in others. Man, think about the legacy that you have the opportunity to leave. Kids, spouse, every funeral I, I do, I talk about the dash. I talk about the birth date and the death date, and we have no control of either one. But that little dash in the middle of the birth date and death date on a tombstone, that is what is our life. And we have the opportunity to make sure that we have the best life ever. What kind of legacy are you leaving to the people around you? And the third thing he says, David says this, and he says, you'll live beyond your circumstances. Let, let me explain it this way. I have a friend of mine that said to me a couple weeks ago, he said, he said, Pastor Bobby, before I was a, a believer, before I followed Christ, when the phone would ring, I was afraid that somebody was gonna leave a message that I owed them more money or that they're gonna repos repossess my house or the bank was denying something or I was being picked up for something and I have to go to jail. Or my wife was asking, my ex-wife was asking, there's always something bad on the other end. And he says, since I became a believer and I became a person of integrity and I started giving my life to Christ and doing right, I don't fear the phone calls anymore. And even if they're bad ones, I know God's never leaving me and he's never gonna forsake me. There's a transparency we have with the people around us. We're not worried about the circumstances to the action. We have nothing to hide. I was reading something and I'm a big baseball fan. I was reading and got a chance, I think it was several years ago to actually be in the town where Albert Pujols is from, a little town in Dominican Republic. And um, 
right before he retired, there was lots of speculation that he was doing steroids. And he, um, he said, come on, test me. He said, I have nothing to hide. Test me. Come on, test me. We can do it right now if you want to. And the guy says, why are you so adamant that you want to be tested right now? He says, I have nothing to hide. He said, because baseball is not the most important thing in my life. I would never put something in my body that would ruin my life. And he said, the most important thing in my life is Jesus Christ. And he said, being a person of integrity and being a dad to the kids that I have. See, he got it. You know what integrity is? Doing the right thing all the time and not worrying about the results. Because you don't have to worry about the consequences when you're doing the right thing, do you? So how are you doing on those things? Those things that I listed out. Now here's the positive thing. Remember I said this? Even if you're not doing great on them right now, there's room for improvement. So this week, let's engage some things in our life. Let's take some next steps in our life. Let's move from here to there in the areas of, let's be truthful this week. And when we, when we, when we catch ourselves, let's, let, let's be merciful this week. Let's be gracious this week. Let, let's do some things that are gonna take that, that, that integrity index way up here. Y'all good on this? Because I wanna be a person of integrity. I wanna take the mask off. So not just you can see the real me, but that God can see the real me. Amen? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, in this moment right here, and God, we have folks down in Sherwood. We have a bunch of uh, folks here on this campus and watching online and out in the atrium. And I've got to believe, I got to believe there's some folks here that are going, I want to be a person of integrity. Well, the first step is relinquishing control of your life and allowing God to take control. That's the first step. Asking Jesus Christ to be the central of your life. Do the things he wants you to do. And God, so right now in this moment, there's some people having that conversation that their next step right this very second is asking you to take the rightful place as number one. They want to be a person of integrity. Integrity comes through you. Maybe there's some people that have walked away from faith, walked away from God. Maybe it's even just in this COVID era, like we just, like we, we kind of put our whole faith thing on the back. And today it's like, we want to, we want to step that, we want to step it up. I, I want to be a person of integrity. I want to be a person of faith. I want to be a person that people look at me. My kids look at me. My, my wife looks at me. My, my, work, my workers look at me. They, they see a good person there. And for all of us, I know nobody in this room is a 10 in those areas. But maybe we're nines or maybe there's some sevens. God, would you help us this week? Actually, would you help us starting today to step it up so we can make your name famous? So the world would see what real people of faith, real people of integrity look like. That we do the right thing all the time and don't worry about the results. God, thank you for visiting with us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or want to talk to someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.